Yes, Lord Jesus, I'm sure you're quite aware of that war. I'm sure you are already aware that you've completely defeated the enemy. And so make that mindful and, re- and, and help us to understand, to grasp that. Thank you, Jesus, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in and through us, as it's being done and declared in heaven, that you give us grace and powers to strength, to discern and resist the devil. You said if you resist him, he will flee. I thank you, Jesus, that you resisted the temptations that were set before you to detour away from the cross. Instead, you stepped right into it and you died in our place, courageous, victorious, and selfless. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for dying for us because because without that, there would be nothing else. And I thank you for giving us also the power through your resurrection to justify us and bring us into the place of fellowship with you, even part partaking with you in this fight, in this thy kingdom come war. And so I thank you, Jesus, for giving us now um, revelation, eyes to see, ears to hear, heart, hearts to receive, that our hearts that have been discouraged, stony, distracted, caught up in other things would be brought back into full focus into the kingdom of God and your purposes and your soon return. I thank you also, Lord, for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to send forth any shame, trouble, reproach, poverty, uh, sickness, death, destruction, that you are the one who provides. You are the one who goes before us. You are the way, and you're the way maker. So now I pray, Father, that you cover each one even all of us with the shields of God to protect us from the radiation and the frequencies and the bombardments of the enemy, even against our very souls. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. Well, good morning or, or whatever time, yeah, time of, of, day of the day you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, you know, we always want to seek God and see, well, what do you want us to talk about? And so usually I don't fret too much because I know that by the time I wake up in the morning, He'll have it on my heart and mind. And so I woke up this morning. Actually, I wasn't even out of the bed yet. And he's already talking to me. And he says um, to me, people are trying to outrun their sin. They're, they're, so I guess we're talking today, I guess I know, about what about sin? And what about sin? Sin is not even really a concept in the minds of yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, it's not even in the days. vocabulary of right. most people. Um, and so I, that's part of what we need to return to is the understanding of what sin is, has done, and how it has been overcome, and how Satan still, however, tries to use it in our minds, especially the minds of the believers, because they're the only ones who really care about sin or what happens. Well, Romans 3.23, of course, says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So yes. we're, we're all in this. Uh, Paul tells us that it's a principle within us. There's there, there's a sin. It's an actually an entity mm-hmm. that is dwelling within us. Mm-hmm. But most of us don't believe it as an entity that's persuading or tempting us. You could call that entity the tempter. They don't believe it as that. They believe it as it's um, it's me. It's my bad behavior. And because Satan has flipped the ideas of being and behavior, we all think now that we have to be good to get to heaven. And um, you know, but actually. Believe it or not, we are built by God to hate sin. 
we actually hate it because God hates sin. And so we are created by God in his image and likeness. So therefore, because God hates sin, so do we. Yeah, in First uh, John chapter 3, verse 4, it says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And basically, sin is, is really... Um, a principle within us that leads us to violate God's moral laws. Well, sin, lawlessness, you said. Well, sin is crossing, de- crossing defining, the line. defining that sin, crossing the line. Transgression is Fall, crossing the line. Yeah, falling short of the glory of God. Um, rege- well, really, there's many definitions of sin. But sin, all unrighteousness is sin. Right, and and breaking the law. What what law? Well, it's the law of love, actually, that is refer- referred to here. So when we re- reject, we reject and disobey God's commandment, which is simply boils down to love each other, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And, um, you know, it's like that's built right in us. And so when we feel guilty for sinning, it's actually evidence that we aren't built to sin because we're actually being, we're living at a cross purposes to our own nature. So, and, and so, um, but, but when you're living in a snake pit, if you define sin as, you know, like the mud in the snake pit, it makes sense that we're in the pit and we're full of, we're covered with mud. Now, it's interesting that, okay, God creates us in his own likeness and image, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So basically, we're here to love him, to follow him, and to love one another. And to know him. And mm-hmm. to know him. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you go through all the law. The law of Moses mm-hmm. and on the words of the prophets, all through the Old Testament, there's in the, if it gets down to, and Jesus brought it down to what you mentioned, alluded to earlier, is that love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What are the greatest commandments mm-hmm. in the law? They asked him. It's to love the Lord your God yes, with sir. all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and, and your, your neighbor, neighbor as, as yourself. yourself. So it's, Jesus summed it up. In all of in that question and answering that question, but um, we have been taught to believe that it is more about being perfect, being good, never um, you know making a mistake. Um, go ahead. Yeah. What? Staying clean, kind of thing. Right. In all cultures, all peoples, all, all throughout the world, there's this concept of sin. We know something is wrong with us. Mm-hmm something's wrong. Well, we think it's with us. Well, yeah. Well, we think of something's wrong because with us. Because we see ourselves behaving badly. And, right. And so we have to do something mm-hmm. to take away... Well, that's the whole trick. ...that sin. I have to do something... Do something. What to do, be okay. What, what do I do? I mean, do I mm-hmm. crawl over broken glass? Do, do I penance. sacrifice my children mm-hmm. to some false demon god? Um but what do I do? Do I, you know? It's a, it gets to be doing something to make yourself Better, right good. in the mm-hmm. sight of whoever, whatever concept of God but, that you have. But that takes away from the doing and the and the finished work and the done. Jesus did it. It takes away from His sacrifice and finished work by putting it back on us. Satan wants to put the problem and the solution for that problem back on us, and and then he he challenges us in our behavior and. Almost every every gospel has that sort of as the basis of their existence is to get rid of sin, deal with sin. What do I do to get rid of sin? And so Satan has made the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is actually 
grace and good news, righteousness, peace, and joy. He has made, and tell the world the good news, Satan has made it about you get rid of your sin. And you see this mixture of frantic activity and trying to keep laws, mixing it with maybe some New Testament concepts to just get a mixture of anxiety and confusion and people never feel good enough to preach the gospel. They never feel good enough to feel like and know that God loves them. So they're just stranded in this no man's land in this snake pit. Yeah, so the idea of what can we do to pacify whatever concept of God people have. There's something, you know, we worship our own selves many times. Mm -hmm. But if we have a concept of, so there's something out there, there's someone out there, some God or goddess, that we have to do something, and they're kind of against us. They're not really for us. They're against us, and we've got to do something to pacify them, Mm -hmm. to settle them down so they're not totally mad at us so we can survive. Mm-hmm. But the good news, as you refer to Marjorie, is of the kingdom of God is that it's already been done. The wrath of God against sin has been satisfied mm-hmm. in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. He said in John nineteen thirty, "It is finished. It's paid in full. It's settled. It's done." So, no longer do we have to do something, go through all kinds of contorted efforts to pacify God. Yeah, right. The good news is that it's been taken care of. God has been reconciled to us and us to God through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. But Satan does not want us to know that. He doesn't not want, he he put, like you said, we go after placating a pagan God or self becomes the center of our efforts, you know, and to get rid of my sin actually is very, uh, uh, it's all about me. It's not resting in the true and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so a lot of people preach a mixed gospel. They pe- preach about the carnal nature. They, tre- you know, um, we're p- being pulled down this path of life, drug along by our sin, well, doing what we do not want to do, and, and doing it over and over and trying to figure out a way through self-help and instruction and penance and whatever to do it a different way. Until God, uh, Satan is actually here to, to convince us that we're we're bad. We are what we do. He gets us tricked into believing and doing, uh, defining ourselves by what we do. So uh, we look at this a little bit in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that's through Adam, through man, right? And death through sin. Wages of sin is death. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So he's saying that, okay, we are infected. We are infected. We could call it a carnal nature, a second nature, which is not our true nature. It came about within us. It's basically hereditary through Adam's well, sin. It's the, it's the, you know, we have our original nature, which is, of course, our divine nature. Right. But Satan is trying to strap on us. The that second sinful, nature. Yeah, and Most people live according to their this, second nature. This second nature, the sinful human nature that was brought about through what we call the fall of man, mm-hmm. the sin of Adam, and so forth. So it makes uh, us it makes us vulnerable to feeling. You know, he, Satan uses our guilt and our hatred of sin to actually use us to motivate us to do something about our sin. Or, or we just say, you know what? I just can't help it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just the way it, I it am. It is who I am. Yeah. The way I am. So, and so we get hung up on and, and try to fix our carnal 
fallen nature as we have been defined to have rather than going back to the truth and knowing who we really are. And if you know who you really are, you actually know that you don't want to sin. I said it in the beginning, we hate sin. That's why sin is so powerful, such a powerful thing Satan uses to motivate us. So because we hate it. Right, it's so but, icky. It's contrary to us. Right. It says through uh, uh, Romans, let's see here, 517, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So he says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, that's Jesus Christ mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dying as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Uh, one man's righteous act, the, th- through that, the free gift came to all men, resulting resulting in justification of life. So it says, for as, as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, Many will be made righteous. And Paul addressed this con- this uh, contradiction, this conundrum, whatever you want to call it, in Romans chapter 7, where he says, um, you know, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells in, in me. So he says, the things I will not to do, that means what I don't want to do. He says, if I am doing the things I don't want to do, and obviously we all do that, whether we're trying to quit something we can't stop, like an addiction or losing five pounds or whatever it is, we're all caught in that trying to do something that we can't seem to accomplish. And it just, we accomplish it for five minutes or two weeks and then it snaps back into that place where you don't want to be. So Paul is saying, if I'm doing what I will not to do, he's actually offering another explanation for that. Our explanations are often given to us through the self-help books and and, and self-improvement courses But Paul is saying it's not about you improving yourself or quitting this or stopping that. He says it is about knowing um, who you are and what's going on. He said it is the sin that dwells in me. You know, there's something going on inside of us and, and, you know, all of it's going on in all of us. And he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? So it's like a, a, a controlling software program called the body of death that is causing us to do what we don't want to do. And, And until we recognize that and that there's nothing I can do about it except know the truth that it is not me who does it and I don't want to do it until we resist the devil and say no I'm not falling for your tricks to try to clean up my own life um, we'll just keep being caught in this vicious cycle um, and and you know it's interesting too that if you read carefully the gospels you'll see a lot of things Jesus doesn't say you know he doesn't say you know make a better choice or get rid of your sin or be good um, so the true gospel of Jesus Christ is about following him and letting him perfect that which concerns us, which is what we don't really do. We, we still want to take keep control of our lives, even if it's we're going to control our behavior and make ourselves, prove to ourselves, prove to everybody else that we're worthy of heaven. We cannot earn heaven. It's just, it's an impossibility. So none have, all have sinned, none righteous, no, not one. So if God is racing, there's none righteous, no, not one. He's basically saying there is no way for you to be good enough to get into heaven, you know. And, you know, it's interesting, too, that we're afraid, well, you know, did I, I sin too much? Maybe I, we think, we think our salvation comes from stopping sinning. 
Salvation is actually a transaction we make with God to return the, the, the ownership and the occupancy of the house that he gave us back to him and let him live jointly with us in this temple that he's given us. And it's, it's, it, that is done through faith. That's a transaction of faith, submission to God, believing the truth, believing he died in, in our place. But then the sanctification process is cleaning the house. Once God gets the house back, we begin to work with him to clean out the junk, the garbage, the demons, the lies, the, the, you know, all of the terrible things that Satan keeps using to trigger us and control us. But we think that if I'm saved, I can't sin anymore. Of course, you don't want to sin, but are you going to be perfect? No, because you're still trickable. Even just because you're saved doesn't mean the devil doesn't still have a lot to work with. I mean, he's built a lot of, you know, lies up strongholds in our lives and minds and uh, traumas and all kinds of things that he can come back in on and try to just open that door and just continue to skate around inside of there to just, you know, beat us up with sin. And so it's not about, and then people say, well, did I sin too much? Am I might've lost my salvation. Now that's another interesting concept because yeah, it might be possible. I don't have that final word because I'm not the judge. You all belong to Jesus as do I. But the thing is you did not get your salvation, gain your salvation by being good. So therefore you can't technically can't lose it by being bad. A lot of people come to Jesus and they mess up big time. As a matter of fact, they probably mess up worse than they did before because Satan's putting more pressure on them to pull them away. Well, that's the dynamic. You know, there, there's sin, unrighteousness, iniquity, lawlessness. That's just right in the fiber of our being. And then, of course, we have the tempter that just mm-hmm. fuels that, fires that, works with that. So it's, it, it's, we're dealing with not just a principle of sin, but with that principle is the working of Satan. We're working according or walking, living according to the prince of this world, according mm-hmm. to the the spirit of disobedience. There's a, there's a spirit of disobedience, talks about in Ephesians chapter 2. So we're, we're living according to that. There's a spirit of that works of in us, mm-hmm. of rebellion, resistance. But it is the spirit of rebellion. It's not us. Right. So but there's it, a spirit that works with that second nature of ours. That, well, it, it works to convince us of that second nature by proving over and over that we're bad and naughty. And we, we you know, the whole, all of the, the counterfeit gospels, which there are many, as we've, we already have talked about, um, in that Satan uses those various gospels, counterfeit gospels, to prescribe all kinds of activities and ways and methods and means of getting rid of our sin. So Satan's rendition of the gospel is get get rid of your sin. God's rendition of the, of the gospel is what did you do with my son? Mm -hmm. So you have sin and son S I N S O N. They're very look the, the, the counterfeit is very close to the real, but the fruit will tell you what's really going on because we hate sin. We feel guilty for sinning. We jump on board with the devil trying not to sin, to be good, to get rid of our sin, you know, our past sins, feeling guilty, feeling defeated. We don't like these feelings. So then we, we try harder to be good. And, and, and then your whole life becomes about you trying to be good rather than you doing what God said in Matthew chapter 10, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. You know, these are the focuses we are to have. You say, well, I'm not good enough. 
Jesus didn't say to the disciples, well, when you're good enough, then you go preach the gospel, and then I'll give you power to, to, to raise the dead and heal the sick. He didn't say that. He said, you just go out there and do it. Please be available to me. Let me do it. I, I, I can work around this thing. I can work in spite of the devil's you know, strongholds in your life. That doesn't mean we're not being perfected by the Holy Spirit as we're going. He's also stripping away all these lies and bondages that we've been bound to all of our lives as we go and follow Jesus. Um, so, and you think about it like this, you know, we talk about, you know, we shame one another, we chide and, and, and correct one another. And we say things like, you know, you, you, you made a bad choice. You need to make better choices. Of course, Jesus never said that either. Um, but it's like this, does the hungry little fish, you know, thing of the fish being set up, baited by Satan or by the fisherman, uh, does he not, he wakes up in the morning and says to himself, oh, I just want to ruin my life today. I just want to choose to live my life in such a way that I will end up in somebody's frying pan by the end of the day. That is not the way we live our lives. We don't, there are precious, innocent, wonderful, innocent again, babies, sons and daughters of God who we cast off because of their bad behavior. We just write them off, don't want anything to do with them. We don't have any faith for them. We don't have any faith in God to deliver them. And so we just write them off. And then we're actually judging and judging them and actually voting with Satan's plan. Satan's plan is to separate them from God. And that's what the definition, real definition of sin is, is to separate us from mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And that's his whole plan. And so we don't have very many clever, uh, skillful uh, harvest or uh, harvesters who know how to um, not step on a bruised reed or, or a smoldering flax. They just trample through the harvest field. And if you're not standing upright and if you don't look pretty and if you don't, you know, then we're just going to pass you by. This is not God's idea of harvesting in the harvest field. Well, there are believers that just kind of live in this coexistence with sin. In other words, they think, so, you yeah. know what? It's just my flesh. I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm saved, but I'm still living in bondage to some form of sin. And there's just a coexistence where they're really Well, they don't really free. get decent understanding they're of what's really going on. They're never really free. And they think, well, that's all there is. I mean, I'm, yes. That's because I, they don't have the right gospel right, preached to them. Because I've got this flesh that I'm dealing yeah. with, right? And then all of that flips around. It's, my, it's just my flesh. How many times have you heard people say that? Well, that's like cursing yourself. It's just my flesh. The Bible says your, your flesh is fearfully and wonderfully made. And then Paul says on the other side of that coin, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And he's talking about the same thing in Romans 7.20. If, if, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me. There's something in me. He said, it is the sin that dwells in me that is causing me to do what I don't want to do. But we don't recognize that spirit, entity, demonic, whatever, stronghold. We don't recognize that as, as separate from us. And that's the problem. Yeah, and well, Romans chapter 6 uh, verses one and two. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace, that grace may, may abound? abound? Certainly are we, are, not. In the King James, it says, "God forbid." How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And then it talks about. He talks about verse eleven. Um, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves or consider yourselves to, to be, be dead, dead indeed dead. to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Well, in, in the Amplified, that verse is uh, Romans six twelve. Do not let or do not permit sin to reign as king 
in your mortal, short-lived, perishable body to make you obey it in its lusts, evil passions, and cravings. So what's happening is there's a, there's a tug-of-war going on. This thing is, is trying to make us do something that we don't want to do, but then we're forced into doing it because you think I there's no I have to, it's it's just me I can't help it I can't help it yeah and so but the Bible says submit to God resist the devil and he will flee and sometimes the sins we're thinking of we have categories I mean well at least I don't cheat at least I don't lie at least I don't commit fornication and adultery so therefore I'm good but a lot of the sins we commit even as we go on with the Lord are the more subtle sins of bitterness and discouragement and a murmuring and complaining and even doubt and unbelief, uh, judging one another, being impatient with God. These are the kinds of sins that, you know, these are the ones we don't think of as sins, but these are probably the more devious and horrible ones than actually going out and robbing a bank because everybody knows robbing a bank. Well, nowadays we people don't really. You know, there's a lot of people who don't even consider sin as a, as a, as a definition or as a, as a, it's not like we said earlier, and it's not in their vocabulary. Um, so we have to understand that being saved or born again is God's solution. He says, reckon the old man dead. So born again, being saved, you know, dying to the old man is God's solution to getting out of this sinful mess because we're new creatures in Christ. Old, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So now we're in that place of being transformed our minds, our hearts are being transformed by reading the Word of God and obeying Him and following Him. And if you think, you know, you have a demon or something going on, dis- distracting you, defining you, um, deceiving you, the the way we obedience to God, to His Holy to His Holy Spirit, is a so- is a soft form of deliverance. Every time you obey God, turn away from the evil one. Don't give place to the devil. Say no to him. Re- resist the, the temptation to give up, get mad, go away, murmur, complain, grumble, judge. Some. Every time you resist that and you choose to obey and be like Jesus, follow his spirit, that is resisting the devil. That is a form mm-hmm. of deliverance. Mm-hmm. But every time you give in to that murmuring and complaining, the devil gets to take another, you know, bind you a little tighter to the lie and to the destruction. So we have to understand there still is a war about sin and we're not immediately immaculate. We have to walk in the, 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 you know, this is a war. There's stuff going on all the time and you can't even judge yourself. This is another downfall of a lot of believers. They, they go with their feelings. Um, it's not, you know, being born again, walking in the goodness of God is not about a feeling. It's just absolutely, although, you know, we, we, that's how we, we allow our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions to determine, decide, define, direct our spirit by how I feel and what I'm thinking. And, you know, both our thinking and our feeling are in error. So they're going to lead you in the wrong direction. But you know, the spirit of God is his spirit bearing witness with our spirit. But we don't walk in the spirit. We walk in the feelings. I don't feel good. I don't feel saved. I don't feel like I'm making any progress. There's something wrong with me. I have to try this and that and everything else. Um, and so, again, it's like, are we willing to give up even relying upon our feelings and just go with what the Word of God says? The Word of God says, you know, whosoever shall believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He, God has raised him from the dead, that he's your Savior, that he died for your sins, you shall be saved. It's not 
complicated people. Sometimes to lead people to the Lord, they go around the farthest way through the swamp they can go. Just go to Romans 10, 9 and 10 and simply ask them, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Do you believe he's coming again? When they say yes, yes, and yes, then you say, well, there it is, right there. You've, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, you are saved. So I don't know how much harder we need to make it because when you t- take them through the, the swamp, they get lost. Oh, did I do it right? What was I supposed to do again? Oh, it's just your, your mouth with confess. Your, your, the salvation is in your mouth, basically, if you confess it. And some people actually believe these things. You know, a lot of denominations preach Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is coming again. We preach it. We sing it. It's in our liturgy. But we don't realize that when you say and confess it, that that actually means that you're saved. And so, because a lot of denominations, they believe you can't know for sure if you're saved. So they're just floundering around there in a never-never land of indifference and don't know and, you know, confusion when you can actually plant your feet on the rock and get going. Yeah, it it says, you know, in Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, if you shall confess with your mouth the mm-hmm. Lord Jesus. Yep, that's what I said. And um, believe in your heart. It's not just... Uh, confessing with your mouth, but it's believing in your heart. What the heart is full of the mouth speaks, there's there's both. Mm-hmm. Confession with the mouth, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes to righteousness, that's Romans 10.10, 10, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. To salvation. And 10.13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever called upon the name of the Lord? Well, that's acknowledging him. Now just take it one step further and, and know that you aren't relying on him, even though you don't look like it and aren't acting like it most of the time, probably, you still have done what's required. And so go forward in that and ask the Lord to to show you, to define, to reveal who he is in your life. Well, once you make that decision of that confession, and then Romans 6.13 says, do not present yourself, your members, in other words, your body, your parts of your body, <laughs> as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness to sin, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members, that is the parts of your body, your body. You, you g- give God your whole bod, okay? Mm-hmm. And your members as w- instruments or weapons of righteousness to God. And he says in Romans uh, uh, 6.19, for just as you presented your members, parts of your body, as slaves of uncleanness, okay? So uncleanness, sin that was just uh, animating your 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 body, mm-hmm. your thoughts, and so forth, of, and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. In other words, give the parts of you what, what was once used to uh, manifest, where you once manifested sin mm-hmm. and unrighteousness and uncleanness. Now give yourself fully to the Lord mm-hmm. so you can manifest or express his righteousness. In you. A righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because mm-hmm. that that's the kingdom of God. God has brought us out. He's translated, it says in Colossians, out of the translated g- us out of the kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we're in now... Once you put your faith in Christ, you are in the uh, basically the core of the kingdom of God. Yeah. 
So what you're saying is we do not get to heaven by being good. We get to heaven by accepting the death of Jesus Christ as the substitute substitution for our own. He paid the debt that we owed. Sin was demanding death of us, but Jesus took its punishment on our behalf when he died on the cross so that we could go free because one man sin, one man can die. That's the rule. So we um, now all we have to do is surrender, but we can't surrender unless we understand and, and we have to surrender our feelings of trying to be good. That's the old mindset. That's the old programming. Feelings are still, uh, are feeling not good enough or still not good enough. Um, not feeling like we're saved, not feeling um, like we're forgiven. Uh, still see ourselves doing things we don't like and then saying, see, she's not really saved. Um, and we're not really walking in, the, in a, an expression of the love and the real forgiveness and love of God, which is contrary walking in the love of God, the forgiveness of God. These are two big things. We just talk about it. You know, we have all this rhetoric, but really knowing that you're loved by God, he's not mad at you. You don't have to feel bad, ashamed or guilty. He has forgiven you. But the key is, do you believe him? Do you believe he's forgiven you? Even though you don't maybe always feel forgiven, you don't always feel saved. I didn't feel saved every day I lived when my, you know, I didn't, every day I didn't feel like my, my father's daughter, but I was, whether I felt it or not. And so we live so much of our life on our feelings. Um, we allow our feelings to really, we, we, we almost worship them. We, we allow them to be our controlling mm-hmm. mechanism. Um, and we, and we to, to over, so we have to understand that truth has to overtake the place where fear sat, fear of not being good enough, fear of sinning, fear of man, fear of, of, you know, the wrong kind of fear of God. Let truth and God's word overtake that place where fear sat. Um, our salvation is not based on how we feel. It is based on the word of God who does not lie. So it's not based on how warm and fuzzy we feel today about God. It's not about those feelings. It's about you know, a lot of times, you know, the workers, you go out whether the weather is nice or not. The warriors, they go out whether the war is comfortable or not because it's never comfortable. They go out because they're, they're diligent and they're faithful and they're doing what God's called them to do. They surely are not going on their feelings. But most of us nowadays, we're looking for that, that rest, that safety, that escape. And, um, you know, that, that's interesting because it, we have to also understand, according to what Jesus also told us, that there are some people... Um, some that are created, that live among us, they live among the wheat, but they are tares. They will never be wheat, as much as they might even be mistaken for being wheat. For um, for what for wheat is what it is, and tares are what they are, and the one is not the other. So they do, and in a lot of the the tares, we you know we're shocked. Oh, they're so they're this and they're that, and they're of the devil and da da. They don't want to be wheat. They don't want to be saved. We don't always know who they are because they kind of live in, among us. So some that can look really, really bad and alien and hateful and uh, rebellious are actually truly sons and daughters of God that have been very, very bound up. But you can have some people that look pious, like the religious leaders look pious, and they were actually haters of Jesus, and they were um, of their father the devil. So you can't go by appearances to see what's what and who's going to be what. But, you know, there is a, a grove. Uh, there's really a, something, two things are going on right now. 
there's a growing wave of both resistance to the truth that God is, has revealed to us through his son and the life and testimony of Jesus Christ, and, and, um, and those are flowing into his kingdom. Many, many multitudes are, are also giving up their slumber, they're, they're scoffing, they're coming with haste into the kingdom of God, and the reason is because the kingdom of God is at hand. It is right here. It is right within your arm's length. It's right there. It's the only place of shelter and truth in these days. There's not going to be, you know, um, <laughs> normal is not coming back. Jesus Christ is. That's the, that's the bottom line. We're not going to go back to safety and life is what it is because the Lord has allowed Satan to just bring this on, full on so that we can actually make a choice. It's not hidden anymore. It's not a, a mediocre middle ground, you know, living in the middle of the road and trying to get by and just be a nice person or something. No, you, you know, everybody's going to be called out and every hidden work of darkness is going to be exposed. And so don't be shocked. But also, um, the last place, you know, you're looking for safety. People get, you know, they get terrified, afraid, and the only thing they want is a place of safety. But Jesus Christ is the real place of safety. He says, even though um, you, you die, yet you shall live. You know, how does he say that? Uh, not a hair of your head will be lost, though though they, you know, can take your life temporarily. They can kill your, your body, but not your soul. So, um, Let's just give up on this idea of me trying to be good and use that energy to allow the Holy Spirit who has been sent in to live in us. He's been sent to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment and lead us into all truth. Yeah, there's, we're at the place now where there, you, and, and that's basically the way it's always been. When you're presented with Jesus Christ, you either receive him or reject him. For those who receive him, uh, they are the, become the overcomers. It says in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Amen. who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus has made me free from, from the law, law of, of sin, sin and, and death. death. There is a new principle. Yes, there's that sin principle, but there's a new principle. There's a new power. It's called the Spirit, and it overcomes mm -hmm. sin. It overcomes the works of the flesh. It's just like uh, a big, say, an A330, I believe they are, air, airliners, that they're so big, they weigh many, many tons. They sit on the tarmac, and it's just like, these things are never going to get off the ground. Gravity is too hard. It pulls them down. But what happens? Because of their engines and the laws of thermodynamics, mm -hmm. that the, the design of the plane, when that is revved up, it, it gets up and flies at 35,000 feet. Gravity is still pulling on it, but it's still flying. And it's mm -hmm. flying high. And so the Lord wants, uh, uh, this is what his call is to us. To live in the spirit, the only way to overcome the gravity, sin, is the gravity of yeah. sin, mm -hmm. is to live in the spirit. Fall the spirit of God, yeah, and the rules and the principles. So, see, they're both they're both abiding at the same time. You've got gravity and aerodynamics. You've got sin pulling us down. You've got the Holy Spirit lifting us up. And so, Father God, today, let us consider these things and let us lay aside these disputes and discussions that go on within us that are pointless and futile. Let the Holy Spirit 
lead us into all truth. Let him lead the discussion. Let him sort out what's what's futile and worthless and what is love as, as precious and, and lovely. And I pray, Father God, that those who are living in condemnation and despair and hopelessness and don't feel good and and, and whatnot, that they'll start start reading your Bible. And you say, I can't read it because it's so condemning. Well, just start reading about Jesus then. Go read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start with Mark. Read about Jesus. Get to know Jesus and see what the Lord will show you. And we also want to just encourage you to, um, we also have a Bible study uh, out of Romans on Thursday nights. It's a Skype Bible study. If you go to our website, liferecovery.com, you just, there's a button there. You just click the button and you can join the, it's so, so simple. Just click the button and join us. Um, and then you'll listen and hear um, what's going on. And also those discussions are recorded. So, you know, a few minutes after the recording is done, we we separate the pictures and visuals from the uh, audio and just present the audio. So you can download that. And if you can't show up on Thursday night from 6.30 to 7.30, you can catch it, you know, at your at your time, whenever it works for you. Also, just to remember, Life Recovery has a lot of things, um, books, manuals, CDs, um, downloads, PDFs, all kinds of things on our website, liferecovery.com, things that would be very helpful in understanding what goes on. We also have a YouTube channel. Um, it's just Life Recovery. And so uh, check those things out. I'm, this week, we're going to encourage you to check out Give yourself a real treat and buy episode one, two, or three from the um, the audio series, God on Trial. And it's uh, very entertaining, very inspirational, very educational, uh, very anointed. And it will help you to see the behind the scenes in the treachery between the war, in the war between God and Satan for the souls of men. It's something like most people never even consider. consider, is, consider. Yeah. So that's God on Trial and you have a great week. And we'll see you again soon. God's best to you. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.